touch, pause, engage. and welcome to Pod Slam number 94. My name's Timsey and uh, I've kicked the, uh, the former POM Matt out of the chair. He's uh, off doing something that, like showering or something, it's about that time of year. Um, so yeah, coming at you, we've got uh, sponsored by Strike, strike.com.au again, Australia's biggest uh, suppliers of Bluetooth kits and hands-free kits and that sort of stuff for phones. So get in there and check it out. Uh, I think there's a green and gold rugby code word. You'll get a discount, so uh, do that. Uh, joining me tonight, I've got one of the best, uh, Scott Allen. Hi, Timothy. How are you, mate? Oh, mate, I'm doing all right. I'm glad you're here to pick up the slack because um, I was just saying off air that I'm a little bit disorganised as usual, but um, we're going to get there, aren't we? Mate, I'm going to have sore legs carrying you. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. Um, but anyway, I've got someone else big and strong who's going to help carry us. Uh, Ed O'Donoghue, how are you, mate? Yeah, really well, thanks, Timothy. Uh, glad to be here. Now, I heard a heard a rumor that uh, we were just talking about the sponsorship there, but you um, you're sponsoring the Reds this year, Mister Whippy or something? Is that all right? Or? Yeah, yeah, mate. Um, Fopo protein ice cream, Australia's first protein ice cream. Um, trying to get it uh, going. It was obviously my day job before um, before the Reds sort of uh, kicked into full gear for me. So, yeah, oh, right. exciting. So it's not just a silly nickname the boys told me about. No, mate, I'm glad. No, no, it's legit. Legit. So uh, protein ice cream. I need to talk to you, I think, because the missus don't like me having the ice cream, but if I can sell it as protein, then I reckon I might be in with a shot. Yeah, mate, that's the idea, mate. It's low fat, low sugar, and uh, gives you a great hit of protein. So, um, And at the end of the day, it's ice cream, so it's a, it's a great little thing. Living the dream. I didn't think there was a perfect food, but there may be. Yep. Um, now the other thing that they told me about, so we'll, we'll get all this, we'll get all the good stuff out of the way first. But uh, the other thing I told about me is uh, apparently you punch a little bit above your weight with the uh, old lady at home. Is that right? Or <laughs> who told you that? Oh, uh, you know, I hear things from people. But the, the, the reason you no, I tell you what, though, mate, ten ten years of, of uh, professional footy, I, I wouldn't want to be doing um, finding the uh, female equivalent of myself. So I needed to be a little bit better. And... That's, uh, I think that's pretty much what they said. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, apparently she's a Gaelic footballer, and uh, and the rumour on the street is that she has more mongrel than you when she plays. Oh. And I don't know yeah, if that's that's your uh, she's a particularly hard player. I know, I'm trying to work out how to go, which way to go on that. But, um, Mate, I'll put you in a yeah, No, we just say she's got a lot of mongrel. Yeah, the, the other way I could have said that is, do I look fat in this? And yeah, we all know there's no right answer for that one, so we'll leave it Exactly. Going. Um... How, how are you enjoying the Reds, mate? Yeah, I'm loving it, mate. It's, it's awesome. I never thought I'd get another chance to play for them um, after I went overseas in uh, 08. So, um, yeah, mate, it's, it's, been, it's been awesome. You know, I made decisions to, I, you know, come home for a little while and and uh, I just was sort of figuring out what I'd do next for you. Obviously, I didn't want to not stop playing or anything. And then, um, mate, just uh, sort of innocuous email out to... Um, here in McKenzie, and then next thing I was down training and now I'm playing a few games, so it's great. Living the dream, eh? 
Yeah, mate, no, it was really, really, I couldn't have, you know, could have asked for anything, really, just a chance to get down there. And then, um, you know, a couple of things worked in my favour, and then, um, yeah, got a few games, and it's just, you know, awesome, mate, not taken for granted or anything like that. So, yeah, it's really good. Um, when, when, I, when I do a bit of research for people who come on, I obviously speak to the boys, but I also check out Wiki. Now, I'm looking at uh, some of your history here, and you've played for a few clubs, do you, want to, yeah. do you want to roughly run us through that? And I think that I know which one of the highlights going to be, but I'll let you see. I'll, I'll see if you bring it up. Um, let's see, mate. So I was over. I was here in Queensland with Wes, and then um, went overseas to uh, Northampton, um, and then Worcester, and then uh, I was fortunate enough to get back here to the Reds. Um, and then from the Reds, I went over to Ulster, and then Leinster. Um and a little trip to London and then uh, back to Queensland. That, that's pretty much what they said. But you've missed out the Ballymore tornadoes, which if I look, yeah, at it's the fable tornadoes. Mate, that was unreal. I, I, I thought that might be the highlight because if I'm looking down your points column, it's the only team that you scored points for. That's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> you got yourself a pie by the looks of things. So um, yeah, yeah. I took a was pretty. Yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> um, well, that's good. It's uh, yeah, good to see that you're doing the real work, though, because I've never scored a try either, so I, I know how hard we work. Yeah, it's overrated. Yeah. Let, let the other people get the glory, and we'll do all the work. Yeah. And so, Ed, yeah, you, then, you, you had some caps for Ireland, eh? Is that yeah, uh, had a, a residency had thing, or is that a... No, no, no. My, uh, my, no, no, no. My dad was Irish... Um, I uh, I was born um, over in in London of all places, but then I spent a couple of years in Ireland before I came back here. Um, before I can remember anything, but uh, so sort of got raised like I'm Australian as it comes, but you know I got obviously fairly strong uh, Irish influence from dad, and uh, most of my family is um, we don't have that much Australian. My mum's Australian, but. Um, Dad has like fourteen dozen sisters, so you now a hundred a hundred cousins over there, basically. Okay. Good. And my uh, oh, I was going to say, so you played for Leinster. Who was your coach at Leinster? Mate, Leinster. What happened is um, che- Michael Checker was the coach, and he'd won um, a European Cup there. And then I was deciding whether to go down there from Ulster or not. And basically, he had a bit to do with going down. But another guy, Joe Smith. Um, came in because he'd, um, Michael Checker had decided to go to Stats on Saturday at that stage. Okay. okay. Yep. Fair enough. Now, uh, I'm just going to tangent a little bit. Uh, now, Schmidt's uh, one of the ones that are favoured for the island job. Um, if you read the bookies reports and stuff like that, and obviously the other name that's been thrown about is Link. Uh, who do you think would do a better job? Put you on the spot. Uh, oh, mate. God, I'm asking. Yeah, maybe. There's no right a tough answer. one. <laughs> No, no, mate, yeah, thanks for that. No, mate, I'll tell you, Joe, Joe Schmidt, um, Joe Schmidt's a very good coach. Like, he's, I don't think, um, you know, I think as far as, like, knowing knowing the code and stuff like that, I don't think there'd be many more people, um, you know, that'd be so hardcore into their rugby. Like, so, man, he knows he's got, like, you know, a bulk of the Irish team there. I'd say it'd be pretty smooth for him to go into it. That said, like, mate, I'm, I'm loving having you in as a coach, uh, I think, you know, they all, I want to be lucky if they could get someone of his calibre, but, you know, that's, you know it's, they've got two pretty good candidates there. Okay. Good stuff. Um, 
I'm going to throw to we, we put on Twitter that we we're having uh, sorry Facebook that we we're going to have a chat to you and ask for a couple of questions and a couple of guys have come and asked a question. There was one Jack Anderson. He's asked, um, what does James Hall coming back mean for your game? I guess uh, the way he's looking at that is the way you go about your game. Does it change it much? Or? Um, as a red? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, you can't, I think everyone knows he's a wallaby skipper. You know, he's, he's proven he's won a championship as skipper. You know, he's, he's unbelievable. I think, I think personally, you know, obviously the second row, I look at other second rows around the world and, you know, you always know, keep an eye on guys in the same position. And uh, I think uh, Jim's, you know, I think Kevin's one of the best in the world. Like he'd be a, you know, he'd, I think he'd get right into a World 15 team. So first of all, you've got like a world caliber player, but then second of all, you've got basically, you know, the heart and soul of the Reds. And then also you've got, you know, like a, a real standards guy, like, you know, so things that you're training, you know, not that anyone was letting things go, but, you know, like certainly nothing, you know, there's no sort of, we don't wait for someone to drop the ball twice in training, you know, Kevin's right on it and, you know, keeps the standards high. So I think it's obviously it's a, it's a massively positive thing and, you know, um, I just I think, you know, it's just bringing back that core, that backbone, you know, with, with Will coming back now, Quaid's coming into form, you know, they'd be there, like, you know, good. And now we've got Kev, the captain, so it's, it's all positive. Does it does it change the way you you have to play though when you're on the field with, with Kev or I guess you haven't really been there yet but um the the um I guess with when you're playing with Rob Rob's sort of I I don't know I'm going to generalise quite a bit here but he's sort of the a bit more of the technical player and I guess you were there for the grunt um, Kev's probably a little bit of a different sort of compliment yeah well no no yeah 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 like I, I um. You know, I've spent most of my time, uh, most of the last 10 years calling lineouts and, and, you know, sort of doing the role sim I've been doing. So then, I, you know, but I was made really glad just to roll into that into that other sort of lock role where you're doing a bit more work and, and you know, just following the lineout calls and everything like that. And Simo is such a great operator, that's that's great. And then, so for instance, on the weekend when I started with, um, with Kev, like I, I sort of took a bit more of Simo's role, so... Yep. Uh, I'm happy to do that, you know, like, and it was good, like, you know, because I've, I've sort of got that experience and I'm pretty comfortable with it and, you know, whatever works really for the team. But, um, yeah, no, it's easy enough and, you know, like, they're, they're both so good at their roles that, you know, I just make whatever I do pretty easy. Mm, good stuff. Mate, and you mentioned Will Guinea. Having him back, what difference does it make for you guys as forwards? I mean, he's a, he's a bossy little bugger, obviously, demanding that you guys are there. He drives you around the park pretty well. Yeah, mate. Like again, I mean, I don't think many people would, um, you know, dispute that he's one of the best uh, nines in the world. So, you know, I know it sounds like I'm going on putting everyone in the team, but he, uh, mate, he, yeah, he's he's awesome, and I take nothing away from the, the fellows that were in there before him. But you know, he's um, again, like you know, he's a wallaby captain himself. Uh, you know, his experience and his, you know, his kicking game in particular really gets us on the front foot and then telling us what to do as forwards. Like, you know, there's no ifs or buts or anything coming from anyone else that he's going to go out to listen to. So, mate, it's, um, yeah, it's very important having him back. And now I think, I don't know when he's going to play 80 very soon. You know, he's got 50, 40, then I think 55 or 60 on the weekend. So, um, yeah, it's all, it's all pretty good at the moment. From from your view, how how does it uh, do you see much of a change in 
that, that he brings into Quaid's game? Like you, you mentioned before that Quaid's starting to hit some form. Is, that's probably not a coincidence or...? No, I doubt it is, but like, you know, because obviously they've got such a great relationship, um, you know, in that 9-10 and it's so, it's so important, but I think just the, the fact that, like, the will, the will, you know, has to, you have to give him so much attention as a defender that I think, you know, that in turn it just gives that extra half a second or whatever, you know, and that's without even, obviously, the speed of Will's pass, but, you know, I don't think anybody would, you know, like there's a lot of the nines around, the, you know, that are real playmakers like Will, just frees up that ten, I suppose, a little bit more. And um, I think Quade really took advantage of that. You know, he went blind and wanted for to score a try on the weekend untouched. You know, something like that. Like you know, uh, he couldn't do if the you know the first and second defender weren't as tight on Will as they probably were. Yep. I made another guy that seems to make a real difference, particularly to your defensive organisation, Anthony Fainga. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's great. Yeah, again, mate. Like you know, he's one of the guys that coaches go to, like, you know, anything, any, you know, sort of uh, comment on defence, you know, he's, he's basically our captain of defence and, you know, like, have someone, you know, keeps stuff pretty tight out in the three quarters, so, um, you know, you, it's very handy having a bloke like that, you know, like, uh, now also, I think he, he did a couple of Kaiser Sozo's down the sideline as well on, a, on some ball defenders, so, um, <laughs> you know, he's pretty handy in attack as well. Yeah. And and speaking of the Bulls game, you seem to have your foot on that game the whole way through until that last ten seconds or thirty seconds, maybe. Um, bit of a heart stopping finish. Yeah, mate, it was a bit tighter than we would have liked. I think, um, you know, I think we we had to keep our eye on the scoreboard because I think we were, we, you know, I think we were in control of the game. Um, we probably probably botched a couple of, um, you know, sort of a, like attacking. 10, 15 metre balls, you know, that we that we, we gave away tries, basically, you know, that we could have scored and then that would have pushed them out of the game. So it was, we shouldn't have left it as tight as it was, but, um, you know, like you said, I think we were in control, maybe let them in with some penalties and stuff like that. But, uh, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was definitely a tough game. It was a shame they had to go right down to the last couple of seconds. And, and so this week, Highlanders, um, was that down in Dunedin? Yeah, down and done it. Um, we've sort of had it brought to our attention that we've, um, we, the Reds have never won there in the professional era. I don't think we've, they, anybody, I don't think Queensland teams won there since, um, 81, I think, one of Tony Shaw's teams. So, uh, yeah, pretty, not a great record for us. That, that's obviously talking about, um, the, the Dunedin in general. That's not just the, the new stadium. Have you, have you seen yeah, well, before? Yeah, we've no, I've only just seen it on Saturday. It looks, looks very nice. But, um, but, yeah, like I think that's going back, obviously, like Carisbrook um, and Dunedin in general, yeah. So, uh, you know, but in, in saying that, it's a bad record for us, but it sort of gives us, uh, gives us, you know, something to achieve as a team, you know. Like, we're always looking for little, you know, pieces of history to, you know, to, to sort of take for our own. And that's, you know, it's an opportunity for us. So when when you say you're looking for it, is that something you guys as a team have come up with, or is that the coaches are pointing that out to you? Well, no, I mean you know, I think as, as as a as a as a unit, like you know, the coaches, players, like obviously it gets pointed out, and then um, you know we decide how we're going to act on it. You know, like so we have, you know it's always good to have challenges throughout the season rather than just you know 
game to game, like, you know, as a super rugby, you know, thinking out of it as a super rugby match, you know, so this is a good little piece of history that, we, you know, it's a challenge for us, I suppose, like, no one, no Queensland teams can ever go there for whatever it is, 21 years and get a win, so it's, you know, it's something important that we can accomplish. Yeah, long time between drinks, it should be a, should be a good one. Yeah, massively. How, how are you finding the difference? Uh, how much changed between your two stints in Super Rugby? Man, um, oh, I think uh, I think you boys be pretty pretty well there. Yeah, last like, time I was here, so I came back from Europe the first time, and um, you know it was all it was. You know, I won't say bad about it, but it was you know, it was sort of one of those perfect storms of a season. Like, every, you know, we had I think you know, a lot of injuries, had a lot of new young players, like. We lost every prop that we had in the squad, basically, and you know it was a pretty lean year with Eddie, uh, with Eddie Jones, and then um, again the next year we we're still re- rebuilding, you know, sort of to to you know bring through younger fellows. But that said, um, those are the same fellows now. Like so, look at at Quaid and Will and and Kev to a, to an extent. Those boys, Kev was probably already cemented, but Will and Quaid probably wouldn't have played in, in another team that year. Like you know, they probably would have had to sort of you know, by their time, but whereas, like, because we struggled those those two years, they actually got to play a lot of footy. Um, you know, not saying that's what, the only reason they are where, where, they are, where they are now, but, you know, I think it's got a bit to do with it. Yeah, um, gave them some young some experience mate. early. Yeah, massively. So, I mean, like, you know, I'd say it's, just, it's a totally different environment now, the Reds, like, uh, but... Um, it's, it's, you know, I enjoyed both. Like, you know, it was just, I, I loved, you know, like, you know, it was one of the best things I've ever done to be able to play for Queensland the first time. Um, and then again, to get back, like I said. So it's, um, it's certainly, it's certainly a, a, a tighter, uh, more streamlined team and unit now, though. Okay. So you, you say that plenty of things have changed since then, but what's been the biggest change, do you think? Well, mate, but like, you know, the whole, the whole coaching structure is different. Um, like I said, they've, they've kept guys together longer. I think I think that was a, a thing that was going on in Super Rugby when I was here last time. Like guys were getting maybe a year to prove themselves. You had sort of guys who were playing for the Wallabies, and then around them, it was just like a bit of a carousel. If you know what I mean, guys were, you know, if you weren't sort of getting into the squad and staying there and whatever, you were gone, sort of thing. Um, whereas I think now you're getting more of more depth in a team and guys are coming in and like well especially for for Queensland you know in the year that you know um, when they won the title and, and the year before that like 2010 when they were just coming through and you know they were getting guys like you know it was 30 guys playing throughout the season you know whereas last time I was here you know it was sort of it was really just the guys that were there and then once they fell over you know you were in massive trouble yeah that's yeah, that's good um, and mate talk, talking about you know, the guys that are there, obviously Queensland, you know, one of the, the two states that develop so many players. There's some pretty exciting young talent coming through for the Reds. Yeah, massively. That's the thing. Like, uh, it's it's good for uh, for everyone, I think, um, in Queensland because uh, there's some guys I haven't even seen. I mean, I, obviously, Chrissy uh, Sortea, um, everyone's getting to see glimpses of what he's capable of. Um, and we've got a bunch of young fellas that, that you know, haven't really had time yet just because, uh, obviously, of the strength and depth. But, um, yeah, no, mate, there's some, some really exciting young, young fellas coming through. Like, hopefully, they you know, they get to when um, young boys are away with wallabies and, you know, and that sort of thing. What do you think of the... Speaking of young fellas, what do you think of the back row that's uh, behind you guys? 
Yeah, man, uh, awesome. I think it's as far as like uh, being very balanced. You know, like it's I, I, you don't get many back rows like that where guys are, like all three are workers. You know, like um, all three will put their hand up to run. You know, all three will be you know jackal on the ball. Um, so yeah, mate, really like you can see the sort of environment that they've come into. The Reds have sort of got their touch on them because like they they work so hard and. Yep. You know, that, that's, it's just a real work ethic team. So, like, uh, you know, it's not like one's a designated ball runner and one's a fetcher and, you know, one's a line-out jumper or something like that. Like, they're all doing their part and, you know, they could you know, change at any time, really. Yeah. So, speaking of, the, the you know, your, your Irish eyes kind of lit up a little bit talking about the Ballymore Tornadoes, though, but um, what, what what was your impressions of that uh that competition overall, and do you think there's a place for it still? Or yeah, you hope so. I mean, for for Australian rugby, like you know, there's got to be something below um, Super Rugby. I mean, now I was lucky enough that uh, there's that the Reds uh, have a thing called the Reds College, which is basically there's about ten of us that came along, and you, you've trained for free basically, but you know you're there as a full part of the squad. Whereas, um, you know, even a third tier comp, you wouldn't get that sort of professional training. So, I mean, something has to be there so that guys, first of all, don't just decide, okay, well, I'm going to go overseas because they're probably just that close to Super Rugby. But then, you know, secondly, there's young fellas that get some quality footy all the time. You know, you see a lot of the young guys that are just, you know, they're in the gym the whole time and they're not really getting any you know, good games. Yeah, fair enough. But it's a pretty extraordinary story with yourself, you know, coming back, as you said, into the Reds College, unpaid position, take a punt and get a contract because you've now played enough games, you've got a contract for the year, haven't you? Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the same with Bo Robinson when he came along, you know, took a punt, came up here, worked in a pub and, you know, got a few games and then picked up a contract, you know. They're two pretty good stories. Did you, you had yeah, no expectations when you came back, I bet? No, no, absolutely none, because uh, having played uh, games, you know, for um, a couple of games, they were non-capped matches for Ireland, but they um, they lock you in um, for life, so I'd sort of just thought, oh, you know, I'd come back and, you know, I was nursing, I was just uh, recovering from a shoulder operation and um, just uh, deciding, what, you know, that I was going to stay at home, basically, Um you know, I didn't even, I wasn't really thinking what I was going to do so as as far as footy goes. So, um, mate, just, you know, like I said, like an innocuous email to, um, to Ewan and just got the opportunity about the Reds College and it sort of seemed perfect really because, you know, I didn't want anything for nothing. Um, so it was, it was a great sort of situation to go in and, you know, either prove yourself or not. And, uh, yeah, it worked out. Okay, so... I'm just touching back onto your your international experience there. I've just looked up the uh, you you played with the Wolfhounds in 2009. You won the Churchill Cup. Mate, no, I actually didn't go on it because um, I was injured. But uh, I um, what did I do? I went on tour with them um, with the actual Ireland team uh, in 2010. Yeah, New Zealand, Australia. Yeah, New Zealand, Australia. So. Played against the two of those matches. One was against the Barbarians, and one was against the New Zealand Maori, and they were the two that I ended up playing. So okay. they weren't actually caps, but uh, played for Ireland nonetheless. Oh, you still got a jersey. Yeah, exactly right. 
that's all right. And uh, how was um, how was that as an experience? Like uh, playing playing the Maori, I can imagine would be uh, pretty hard work. Yeah, Matt was. It was like, and you know, the barbarians, like mate, they were, they had just, you know, um, you know, hundreds of international caps across the team, and yeah, the Maori in New Zealand, um, it was a great experience. But uh, yeah, no, mate, it was just great, you know, going along, and um, you know, there's some sort of really, you know, once in a generation sort of players in the, uh, in our island team. It was good to go away and play with as well, you know, and also got to play with them at. Uh, at provincial level and all that sort of thing. So, man, it was a good experience all in all, really, to be over there. Yeah, good stuff. Um, well, we won't uh, keep you too much longer. I think you've got an early flight out in the morning to Dunedin. You've got a good... Yeah, no, it'll be, could be a 5.30. It's a tough one. 5.30, you'd have to go through Christchurch, wouldn't you? Or Yeah, something like that. It's a bit of a pain. I don't think we get there until 8 New Zealand time, so... A long day. I think that's why we're leaving tomorrow, but we'll be ready by Friday. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, enjoy the stadium. I've spent a fair bit of time there uh, during 2011, and uh, it's a, it's a lovely place to play. And I think you you've probably got a good chance to to beat that uh, duck of not winning for such a long time there. With obviously the Highlanders, they're dangerous as they are. They haven't won a game this season, but uh, it's also a very nice, dry stadium, so you should be able to run. Yeah, I know. It'd be a good change from. Um well, Dunedin, whatever it's <laughs> From outside, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. All right, mate. Well, uh, travel safe and uh, have a good one. Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much, Timothy. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Timothy. All right, so that was a good chat. Good, yeah. As I said, Cinderella story for the guy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's lovely when when the, the you know you're able to watch that happen from the sideline. Like uh, as you mentioned, Bo did it. And uh, now Ed's done it. It's uh, it's it's great that well, I mean, you could almost basically say Radiki did a similar thing. I mean, I know that he came back as a contract, but Links had a knack over the last few years of pulling the more experienced players back, and I think it really helps the squad in, as a whole. It's interesting the way he's done that, isn't it? Yeah, because I'd, I'd forgotten that he did the same with Radiki. Mm. So, and he it's... and he's plugged some holes. I mean, Queensland had locks. Uh, for example, they had Dave McDulling uh, as part of their squad this year, and. He unfortunately got unlucky and did a second knee, and yep. you know all of a sudden, you know an opportunity opened up. For example, um, Hume McMenamin, when he was coming back from Japan, spoke to the Reds, wanted to come to the Reds, but they had no spaces left. Um, <laughs> and he then signed with the Force. Then McDulling does his knee, and you know the timing was just wrong for him, but the timing for Ed O'Donoghue was, you know, pretty good. Come back in, we'll put you into the Reds College, but same time he goes into an unpaid program you've got to train you know, I understand the college was training basically five days a week um, makes it very hard to earn a living um, and then so he backed himself yeah the opportunity it, and it's probably it's probably part of the character that they get with the older players you know they they've been there they've had a crack they've had a go they've you know they've they've achieved quite a fair bit, but they've probably still got that hunger to do a bit more, um, and they're they're mature enough to see it for what it is, and you know really give it its dues. And I think that probably shows through. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know the, the what he talks about there with touring with um, the Irish squad and some of the players he got to play with, and you know the, clearly it's quite a bit of experience to draw on as well. Yeah, mate, and talking what. Look, I'll change the uh, 
the agenda that we had on before because while we're talking about that, why don't we just talk about one Mr. George Smith? George? He, he hasn't come back on an unpaid contract. You know, he's sort of, you know, there's a bit of a similar story. Come back for a short-term contract and then all of a sudden, you know, bang, gee, we need you. You've got to start. Yeah. And who knows where it'll go from here. Well, you have to. You have mixed my agenda up. It's the only thing I did was do a bit of an agenda, and it was yeah. later on. But uh, we'll we'll talk about Smithy any time. Uh, Adaptable, mate. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, it's uh, you, know, you. I think you mentioned the the rumours. Yeah. Well. So. Well. No. Actually, Jake White's come out today. He's been quoted in the press as saying um, he's going to ask whether they can extend George Smith's stay with the Brumbies. Yep. Which, if he does that, means that he's in Australia at the time the Lions are playing. Oh, what so a pity. <laughs> that, that basically removes one of the barriers. And, and honestly, George Smith has come back, and it's like he's never been away. It's amazing, uh, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's like he's just had a bit of a pre-season away, and he played last year, and he's fit, and he's ready to go. I mean, just an incredible player. Doesn't look the most fit person in, the, in Australia, but, you know, he gets on there... Second game, wasn't it? He had to play full 80. And, yeah. you know, he's done it every week in and week out and doesn't miss a beat. Now, I'd like to back myself to be able to do similar sorts of things, but I know I'm not quite what I used to be, so I'm not really sure how he does it. Yeah. And, you know, what price on experience? I know yeah. we've got some fantastic young sevens. I mean, I, I think Liam Gill is the form number seven at the moment. Michael yep. Hooper was the form number seven last year. Um, yeah. And who can? I think who can? even over. Yeah, the way he performed for the Wallabies on the end of year tour and even the domestic season, he he was incredible for for attacker that that he was. Sure, but you know, and he's not he's not playing poorly. No, but Liam Gill's gone to another level this year. Yeah, yeah. So you've got two young guys who are in the mix, even though we've lost Pocock, who you know is an outstanding player. What do you do with that much experience of George Smith? Um, um, I, was, I saw uh, somebody saying today that. Players get a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play against the Lions. Yep. And, you know, if, if you take a Hooper or Gill, and if you replace one of them with Smith, the other two won't ever get their chance again. Does yeah. that really matter, or is it more about the team and what's the best option? Well, other players have really long, distinguished careers and never get to play them. So I, I really don't think you can you can do that. We've got, we've got to pick the players that are available and most informed. So if that happens to be George Smith and sentiment aside, it's going to be a, you know, a shame for Gilly or Hoops to miss that, but sorry. It's a professional sport and you know, it's the way jobs go. It's pro- professional careers. I mean, this this stuff happens in workplaces all the time. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't think you can consider it as to the individual players. It's about what's best for the team and it's very hard to see how you could ignore the experience of George Smith if he's available. And there are two two barriers to that. One is, does Japan. he have to go back to Japan yep. before it starts? Well, Jake White is saying he's going to try and extend the contract, so he may well solve one of the problems. Well, he, uh, he you know, George Smith's team is coached by one Eddie Jones, is that right? No, used to be. It's not bad. Oh, okay. Eddie thinking- Jones. Eddie Jones was the director of rugby, which I think was the coach as well, but he's now the Japanese coach. Oh, uh, all right. But, but he would have massive pull there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, see, I was just thinking, uh, you know, old Jake would make a call to his old mate and um, we wouldn't have to worry. But 
Well, you'd reckon that if the Japanese coach speaks to the management of Suntory and says, I need a favour, they'd probably agree to it. And so then the only, the only other barrier after that would be the RU waiving their rule that says if you are contracted to an overseas club, you can't play for the Wallabies. Well, so, does it say that, that's easy to get rid of, isn't it? Well, that, that's is that the actual wording though? I mean, let's get a lawyer on it here, because haven't players signed for overseas clubs? Oh, I guess the contract wouldn't have started though. They've signed for overseas clubs and then played the end of the year or the the June tests and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. That, uh, I was just going to try and get a lawyer and find a loophole on it. Sorry, Smith. Yeah, oh, give me a bit more time. But, you know, well, the interesting thing is these aren't IRB rules. No. <laughs> these are ARU rules. So the ARU wants George Smith. And, and Bill Pulver has said, I'll back Robbie Deans in his stoush with the super franchises over who's available for his camp and whatever. Yeah. If, if Robbie Deans wants George Smith... The pulverizer says, will get him. George the Smith. pulverizer is not going to say, no, you can't have him. So... <laughs> You can just see the pulverizer pulverizing the rule, and then all of a sudden, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Magic. It's amazing what can happen when you're talking about Smithy. Yeah. So I'm sorry I, I stuffed the agenda up, but I just uh, thought we should talk about players with experience. We may as well talk about the it's going. It's going to um, make the, the, the back end of the show a little bit light, but I reckon we can cover it. We've got There's, there's another little thing happened in you know Australian rugby. Oh, shall we talk about that last to really spot? We'll do that last. Yeah, we'll leave everyone yeah. wondering what it is, what it could be, what could we need to talk about. So um, embargo on that. <laughs> yes, well, there was. That's over now. No, no, there's an embargo for us, because otherwise we'll spoil the end of the show. Oh, yes, 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 I got you. I got you. Sorry, mate, a little slow on the uptake there. It's not in my agenda. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, let's get on to the games of the weekend. Um, now, in no particular order, I know Gaga likes to do it chronologically, but he's not here, so I'll do it my own way. Reds versus Bulls, 23-18. The Reds took that one easily, didn't they? I actually think that was the first game, Timsy. Was it? <laughs> Just so unintentionally the first game. I, I didn't mean yeah. to do that, okay? But, uh, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's start with that. Yeah. Look, as so I was at that game, um, the Reds, the first 20, well, 30 minutes... You know, they, they were patchy. They were like the Reds have been all season. Lots of mistakes. Um, blew a couple of roll gold opportunities to get over the Bulls. And then all of a sudden, at the 35th minute mark, upstepped Will Genia. And he just took control of the game. And he was magnificent. He double touches in, you know, different phases. And he drove them through to a try that Quade Cooper set up for John O'Lance. And they look very much like the Reds of a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I thought, through, I thought through the whole game, the Reds had their foot on the game. They were in control. The Bulls didn't play badly. But, you know, the Reds were going along quite well. It was a, At the end of the day, it was two tries to nil. Um, they held the Bulls trialists, which is very good. Yep. But then right at the end, all of a sudden, the Bulls decided it's time to play. And, you know... What happened in the second half, the, the Reds, I don't know whether it was a tactic or whether it was a, an error of judgment, they started trying to play out of their own half. Um, right. Their game, if you think about 2011, we all loved the attack. The yep. attack, you know, there's so many highlights videos you could watch of the tries they scored. From but anywhere. Their, yeah, 
But their 2011 essentially was built on the fact that they played territory, they kicked, I think, just about more than anyone. I think they might have been the second highest kicking team in the whole comp. Well, I'm not going to argue stats with you. I thought they were the highest, but uh, second highest. Well, they could could have been. They were right up the pointy end. They would play territory, get the ball down in the opposition half, and then apply the pressure. The defence was very good back then. Yeah. Uh, They came out in the second half with, you know, a pretty good lead. They looked comfortable. I didn't think the Bulls were really threatening them. And they started trying to play out of their own half. Uh, it was almost like Michael Checker had hopped up and said, run the ball from everywhere uh, to the Reds. Yeah. And they gave away three quick penalties, and all of a sudden they went from a comfortable lead and looking dominant to they were behind. They then came back with a very good try to Quade Cooper. but And, and they looked, they played much better. Obviously, the week before, I thought against the force was dreadful. Yes, it was. I can't even speak about that game because, unfortunately, I wasted nearly two hours of my life watching it. But we'll stay on this week. Now, it's interesting you say that. Now, you, you talk about how the, the perception was that they attacked from everywhere, uh, yet the reality of 2011 was that they played a very territorial heavy game. They kicked for territory. They then used their incredible defence which was an attack of its own, to apply pressure to the other team and then pounce when, pounce when the opportunity ha- arrives. Is it possible that this team may have perhaps listened to a bit of the hype that they did attack from everywhere and, you know, that that's what they're doing? Um, they is, may the hard, is the hard work too hard for them now or is it the complete change in defensive structure caused by the change in defensive coaches that has changed their ability to do that? Well, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with their defence or their defensive structure. And in fact, I know there have been people saying the defence has gone to shit. But mm-hmm. if you look at the stats, they're actually they defending. They're defending better than they did yep. last year in 2012. Um, they had a very good defensive system in 2011. It dropped a little bit in 2012. It's improved a bit in 2013. Um, I, I think the problem with their attack is there's just been some hesitancy around Quade Cooper. Let's be frank. He he hasn't been what he was. Um, I think there's been a lack of confidence. I think Will Genia in the last two weeks has started to reinstill some of that confidence. I mean, I, I wrote an article two weeks ago that said as he lost his mojo and I concluded that he hasn't lost it, he's misplaced it. Yes, gee, gee bounced back pretty quickly. <laughs> he lost it for a week. That was... I thought he was very, very good on the weekend. Um, Did he just, like, leave it at home or something? Oh, you know... He forgot to pack it. Like, he he remembered his mouth guard but forgot his mojo. Yeah, there's all sorts of things could have happened, you know. He he came back from a knee injury last year. People say he came back too early. Did he or did he not? He played pretty well when he came back. Then he got injured again. Then he had all the dramas with the Wallabies. You know, the mind can do funny things. You haven't got your, your... partner in crime, Will Genia, there. Um, and let's face it, the Reds' attack is built on Quade Cooper. Yes. You know, by by design or not, that's a fact. Um, we, we can say there are players who can step in and they've got depth, and they've got depth, but they don't have the depth of a Quade Cooper. He, yeah, he's not your average player. No. So I think, you know, there's there's, there's some hesitancy there from him. It's getting better. Uh, generally, I thought he played really well and drove the Reds' attack really well on the weekend. But 
the major thing is that the longer Will Genia plays, and if as Ed hinted on the uh, on our interview with him just before, he may play 80 this week. He provides a threat that teams cannot ignore. He yep. probably provides more of a threat than Quaid. But once they start focusing on Will, give it to Quaid, and off they go. And when they're working in tandem, as they did for the first try, I mean, it's magnificent rugby. So, you know, I, th- I thought the Reds played pretty well. Uh, it would have been an absolute travesty, I think, if they'd been beaten in the last, you know, after the bell, basically, by the Blues scoring, because then Kickbot 3000 would have lined up a kick from the sideline, and I don't doubt he would have knocked it over and denied the Reds a victory. But uh, Kickbot 3000. Yeah, not my term. It's something I've seen on the forum. But You've picked it up, yeah. Yeah, look, I reckon the result, Reds by five, yeah, that was about right. The Reds weren't magnificent, but I thought they were better than the Bulls. The Bulls couldn't score a try, you know. Yeah, so I thought that was a fair result. Okay. Good summary. I was testing you to see how well you watched, and I think you've done all right. Good. What's next? <laughs> what was next? Well, next up we no, had make the... Sure um, not, make sure it's not chronological. It's though. not going to be chronological. I'm just going to pick it by random. So we've got Force versus Cheaters was the oh. next game. Shit, that's the game that I didn't watch. <laughs> Is it? Well, I've summarised it here and said there was no force for the force. Yeah. 1910. But the force were ahead. Um, I think it was... I mean, I, I was watching it on Twitter and I've I've seen some of the highlights and I've seen the key moments. Yep. Uh, force were ahead with less than 10 minutes to go. I think they were up 10-9. Um, the Cheetahs... You know, got a penalty goal, so they went 12-10 up. And then, you know, the, the force were right in it and they actually had the ball and made an error. And the Cheetahs picked it up and off they went, scored a try in, well, I think, three minutes to go. Game over, 19-10, no force. No force, but, no. But, you know, by all reports and from what I've seen of the game, the force were, it was there to win. It was another one of those games that got away. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a habit, that they seem to have, isn't it? I mean, the change of coaches has done not a lot for that, but um, obviously they were maybe a little cocky after doing whatever they did to the Reds. Uh, I don't know about that. They played really well against the Reds, and I, and I, I haven't seen enough of the game to say how they played. Yeah, well, we can't we can't analyse it too much, but obviously there's a consistency issue there um, to come out uh, and play as well as they did against the Reds because they did they played really well, uh, and then come off and give a game away like that. Yeah, and you would have thought that going back to it, the, the first home game at the newly redeveloped stadium yep. might have given them a bit of momentum as well. Um, and you would have thought that the Cheetahs that was I think their fourth game on the Australia New Zealand tour they've done. Yep. Yeah, that's that right. They, they might have been ripe for the picking. And as I said, it, it looks like, from what I've seen, the force had them. They just couldn't close it out. Mm. So uh, they probably needed Sharpie to give the after-game press conference. Yes, he was well well versed in that one. Yeah, so. But, uh, yeah, moving right along. No force for the force. I'm going to pick, at random, the next game, uh, the Rebels versus the Sharks. Oh. This was close, another close game. Uh, apparently it was there for the Rebels to lose uh, until right at the first minute, um, <laughs> from what I hear. Uh, I was tucked in in bed, and uh, I've seen a, a little bit of this. And I also work just very close to a, a gentleman who's from Durban, and um, 
he's been very quiet to that this week. Um, I think that he knows that if he starts boasting, he won't be able to stop. So um, he has been laughing a lot for no mate, real reason. Uh, mate, you, you've, he's misrepresented the game. The force were in it. The force were right in this game. Sorry, the rebels were. Rebels, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, the rebels were right in this game. You know, up twenty-two minutes gone. Yep. It's only seven nil. You know, they were right in the middle of the game, but then the avalanche began. Yeah. And it it didn't stop. It just try after try after try. <laughs> yeah, sixty-four points. Um, it's a lot of points to score, especially. Um, in, in basically you know, just over half of football, as you've alluded to there. So, <laughs> yeah, ten ten tries to one. Yeah. Um, and and then you know the rebels try came sort of with ten minutes left. So uh, by that stage, I know the commentators were talking about you know the the uh, sharks are going to go for a shutout here, but they just rolled through them, and they probably could have the sharks could have scored more tries. The, the rebels were just dreadful. I don't think there's anything you can say positive about the way they played. The interesting thing is that the Sharks came out and as all South African teams do, you know, they drove the ball from the lineup. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise. No. no one surely no, that coming. Yeah. Yeah, surely no one walked in there and thought, yeah, well that that might be a tactic. It looked like the Rebels had never ever practiced how to defend a driving ball. They were just an absolute rabble when it came to the driving mall. And it was like boys against men. It was embarrassing watching it. And, yeah. you know, the scrum was disastrous. Basically, everything they did was disastrous. But they were just out-muscled completely. Yeah, it's not, not really painting a very pretty picture, is it? But I, but also, you know, um, the, the Rebels had to make a last-minute change. Um, one of the guys dropped out. Uh, who was it? Can't remember who it was. But instead of making one change in their back line, they changed about four positions around. Mm. So on on match day, having had all their training for the week based around a certain alignment and a certain team, they made a change at the last minute and basically shuffled everybody everywhere. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like a very smart thing to do, does it? I mean... You've, you've just completely outlined the reasons why you wouldn't do it, but you've got to wonder why. Surely it's easy enough to... And in, and in a squad environment that everyone talks about these days, there should be able to be someone to slot in. Even if that's not how you hold your formation on the field, you should be able to move into that spot. I, I, there have to be some extraordinary uh, circumstances to cause that, wouldn't it? Yeah, but, but, but you know, when you get a change on match day... Yeah, you you change that one spot and you say, okay, well, even if it's not the best way to do it, that means there's only one change in the whole uh, back line. No, that's not the way the uh, the rebels decided to do it. They shuffled everybody around. You'll all have a different position. I don't know where they went for a run in the park beforehand like that, but you know, major changes on the game day. What a mess. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, there's no positive there. No, as as we'll uh, we'll we'll get to a bit later on. That uh, clearly they weren't very happy with it either. Um, but again, we'll leave that for later. Um, picking another game at random, we have got the Brumbies versus the Stormers. Yeah, so I mean the Brumbies go in 
Storm was obviously you would normally we we so we think that the Storm was a very defensive team. Yep. Don't score any tries. Apparently um, they have about thirty five in them though against a team like the Brumbies. Yeah, you know, they they're playing a more expansive style of rugby and I, I haven't seen a lot of their games and I asked on Twitter the other night, is this how they've been playing in their other games? And uh, you know, it was a bit of a bit of a mixture apparently. But they were full of running, they were full of attack. The Brumbies, they didn't play badly, but if you look at the games the Brumbies have played so far this year, the game is very much based, as was the Reds in 2011, on the kick. So yep. they have... Uh, Jesse? Mog, yeah, Jesse Mogg and Nick White are two of the longest kickers in the competition. Yep. I would say certainly the longest kickers in the Australian Conference. Yep. And both of them are out. Yes. And so all of a sudden, you know, and the, com- and the commentators called it some pop gun kicks, you know. Yes, being I generous. Can't, I can't kick that far, so I can't call them pick, pop gun. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it broke down their game plan. Their game plan is get the ball down long. They have a great defence. Yep. And that wasn't there. I don't think the Brumbies played badly, but yep. the Stormers, gee, they were, ve- they were very, very physical. And they so, really outmuscled the Brumbies. Yeah, so the Brumbies maybe could have carried that game against a lesser op- opposition, but um, against a, a team like the, the, the Stormers, which, which, as you mentioned, has a very uh, a, a reputation as a, a, a dour defensive team, and they just they don't score points. They just don't let anyone else score against them. Um, is it possible that, that that's definitely the way they played last year? Is it possible that they've they've tried to keep that? core there, but are building some attack and some flair onto it? Is that uh, what the coaches have done? Like, uh, let, let's cement this cement this rock and then we'll, uh, and we'll you know, decorate it a bit. It certainly looked like it to me, but that's the first full game I've watched from the Stormers. Right. But, I mean, I don't think you're going to come out in one game and suddenly become an attacking team. No, they, they obviously have been working on it. Um, they looked a very complete team. Okay. And the Brumbies, as I said, the Brumbies didn't play badly. Don't, no. don't get me wrong, they didn't have a shocker like, you know, say a Reds had against the Force. It was just the Stormers were that much better. Just uh, without without Mog and White, that they're, they're not quite the same. Well, they're the only two players missing uh, that I can recall. They, they did start uh, with Ben Alexander on the bench. Right. Um, they had Dan Palmer and Scott Seo in the front row. That that didn't look like a problem to me. I don't, you know, I know Ben Alexander's a wallaby, but I, I don't think you look at it and say, gee, that caused a major problem for them. Yep. So, you know, Nick White is obviously a very important part of their team. Ian Pryor played nine for them. I thought yep. he had a really good game. He was one of their better players. So yep. I don't look at that and say, you know, there was, you could say, Oh, they had three or four out. They just the Stormers were just that bit better, and and you know the Brumbies. That's their second week of their South African tour. You know when you're travelling, you know that could take a little bit out of you. Yep. Um, the Brumbies are back at home this week. Well, you know, I'll, we'll get a better picture after the after the Sharks win last week, or the the win against the Sharks last week. I was reminded by said South African uh, shark-supporting work colleague that uh, it, it's probably not that 
much that I have to crow about given most of the Brumbies are from South Africa anyway. So I, I don't know how much you can put on that travel. Uh, you know, they'll basically home. Yeah. But, um, you know, but, you uh, know, obviously back in Canberra, as we will say. Yeah. I, I guess what we've done, the way the Brumbies have been playing this year, we've set some pretty high standards. Yep. I mean, I, I have cut up the video of their attack in the first 35 minutes of their game against the Sharks. Yep. And I've cut that into a video that I'm showing my players. This oh, is right. how this is how you want to play. Yep. This is, effectively, that's the Bible. Follow what they did and you will be unbeatable. You so did they, it, they were, you'll be fine. Yep. They were so good against the Sharks. There's a, you know, there, I, I had an air, air of expectation. I couldn't wait to see what the next game was. I find the Brumbies a very exciting team to watch. Um, yep. And all of a sudden I looked at it and went, gee, the Stormers were even better than the Brumbies. Yes. Well, you maybe thought for a moment that they'd uh, swap jerseys with one of the other Australian teams, but uh, no. They just uh, had a... Didn't quite get there. But there was another team that did, and it's my last game that I can talk about, so I'll randomly put that right at the end, but uh, the Tars versus the Blues. Uh, and 30, I, I, I think it's in chronological order. No. <laughs> Would never do it that organised. Um, Tars versus the Blues. Now, uh, this is against the Kiwi team, and the Blues are no slouches, so I'm not going to lie. I... Uh, didn't quite tip this one. And I, from what I understand, I wasn't too far off because it was a last last couple of minute thing that the uh, Tars took over. Yeah, look, they the Tars, the first half, they started really well. Yep. You know, they took the lead early. They looked good. They were full of intent. Um, then they, I don't know, they went into their shells. Or maybe the Blues just outplayed them, but... Come half-time, I looked at it and thought, there's no way back for the Waratahs from here. Uh, the footage of Michael Checker at half-time, he was giving it to the boys. Giving yep. it to them. <laughs> you know, I, I reckon if you look at the footage, and I put some in a video I put up today on the blog, um, I reckon he basically walked out of the end, said, you guys fix it. You know, I'm not interested. It's, it's all on you. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it was interesting, in that in that footage, I was looking at Dave Dennis's head and he, I could see him sort of looking at the coach and he's walked, Checkers walked out the door having given them a spray. And I think Dennis was sort of sitting there thinking, oh, really? Oh, okay, where do we go from here? But <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so I, I don't know how many more halftime speeches Michael Checkers got in him, but it worked because they came out... They were much, much better in the second half. And they came from a uh, 24-10 deficit to... They leveled the game up uh, yep. with, uh, I think, 15 minutes left. Uh, and then it became a real battle, you know, who could get over the line. And, and honestly, it looked like it'd be a draw. And yep. I don't think a draw would have been an unjust result. But yep. uh, the, the Waratahs got a penalty, you know, basically on the bell. And Bernard Foley, who played very well, had a really yep. good game, stepped up, nailed the kick, and the Waratahs home 30-27. to 27. Lovely. And, um, you know, that's something that they have missed. They, they have not been able to close out the, the close games in the last two years, and they did. The joy amongst the players, this could be a catalyst for the Waratahs, you know. Turning point? 
We're going to call it that yet, or? Well, we've had these turning point discussions, you and I, before, and as I always say, it's, I think it's best to wait till the end because we've got a few things to see yet, whether <laughs> it is a turning point. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's not too bad. Now, one thing I want to do before we go on to the, the upcoming week is do a bit of... Um, you know, uh, cross-site pumping. Not cross-site, it's the same site, so, you know, a bit of pumping of uh, one of our other articles. But last week, in the preview, basically it rolled the preview into the whole lot. Our, our, um, one of our most knowledgeable, Lee Grant, posted a uh, preview for the weekend. Basically, the first week in Super Rugby that all Australian teams were um, playing foreign opposition. Um, and one of the lines that he said in that, was that this week should confirm or deny that the Australian Conference is the weakest of the three at the beginning period of the tournament. I'm going to summarise that into saying that if we win more of these than we lose, we're probably not as shit as everyone says we are, but if the other way, we could be at this early period. Now, looking back through that, purely numbers, uh, we lost three, we won two. Uh, It was bookended by wins, but through the middle there were losses. The Rebel Sharks, obviously, a huge disappointment were all involved. Uh, the other two games, the talk was that we weren't that bad and it's just, uh, you know, the way it is. Uh, and the other two wins, obviously, um, there's some promising signs for, for the two teams involved. What do you think? Are we the weakest conference? Oh. On the spot. Completely on the spot. Yes. Yes? We're the weakest conference because we have... Um, probably two teams bordering on a third, but we definitely have two teams that are weak. We have the yep. Force and we have the Rebels. Yep. The Waratahs you know, could be coming good. They're right on the borderline. The Reds and the Brumbies are up there. They're actually already in the top six. You know, They are competition contenders. Yep. The Waratahs possibly... They you know, could some be something. Have, yep. Yeah, I, I don't think the Force and Rebels, you could say that. If you look at South Africa... They're the strongest conference at the moment, and really, it's only the Kings. They've only got one weak team. Yep. If you look at the New Zealand conference, their weak team at the moment, surprisingly, is the Highlanders. Yep. I, I, I don't expect that it'll remain that way because they've got some superstars in their team. They've recruited very well. Yep. But, but really, their other four teams, all of them potentially could win the comp. They are that good. So yep. we are the weakest because I reckon we've got two weak teams, whereas the others have only got... And look, I don't think New Zealand have got any weak teams. Uh, just the Highlanders are... Having a bad trot. They're having a bad trot. They're having whereas, a really bad run, yes. Yeah, whereas South Africa have definitely got the Kings who are a weak team. So we've got two weak teams. They've got one. I say New Zealand have got none. Um, but interestingly, I think we're actually doing better than the New Zealand conference, aren't we? In terms of points. Uh, yeah, you're putting me on the spot because I don't have a table in front of me, but I think you could oh. be right. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it is marginal, and it, it might just be... And this is where you get back to stats and numbers can tell you one thing. The reality is that we're the weakest conference. Yeah. Because we, we've got two pretty weak teams. Right, yes. So there you okay. go. You put me on the spot. Good answer. I, I you, gave you the answer. Acquitted yourself well. 
Um, I'm just having a look at that overall ladder. What have we got? Brumbies, Reds, Waratahs, Western Fort. Well, this is an overall ladder, but they're all grouped by teams. I don't get it. Um, okay. All right, I don't know. We'll, we'll find a proper ladder later. Uh, so let's move on. Next week. Or this week? We'll call it this week. This week. Um, Reds versus the Highlanders on Friday night in Dunedin. We've already had a bit of an intro to that from um, good mate Ed. But um, what do you reckon? I think the Reds are going to get there. I'm I'm amazed that they have never won um, down in the Otago region. So... um, well, not no, look, 1980, that, 1981 or something. They've won there. Oh, I mean, it's, it's sorry, not it's, one in professional rugby. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a very different world, amateur rugby and professional rugby. There's there's a line, and basically, right. you know, it's I don't know what it. It's, it's like yeah. BC. It's BC and AD. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as far it. as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, well, if you're if that's what you say, then no, that's absolutely right. It's so, um, that's not to devalue what happened before prof- the professional era, but uh, it's a very, very different game since that, uh, that day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, look, I, th- I think the Reds can win. I think they've got some momentum. I think uh, th- they've lost a couple of players. Um, I said last week in my review that that was the first time the Reds have had what I consider the big four. Yep. So um, James Hall will... Will Gennier, Quade Cooper, and Digby Ioane on the park together. Oh, did you? That was last week. Yeah, yeah, last week. That was the first time this year they've had them all together. Yep. Um, that's true. I, I, I was I just think, thinking back. That's absolutely correct. You, you yeah, I think, I think actually there's a big five for the Reds because I think Anthony Fyinger is that important to the Reds that there's yep. probably a big five. And if you think about... You know, the basis of their 2011 team, I reckon you build it around those five. So we look yep. at this week and we say um, James Hall will, you know, he'll probably go 60 minutes, 60 yep. to 7. Um, you say, I reckon Will Genia will probably go the 80 this week. Yep. Um, if not 80, he'll go very close to it. Quake yep. Cooper obviously will go the 80, as long as he's not injured. Um, Anthony Fyinger, I think, will go the 80. Digby Ioane's not there. Yep. I think he's the one they can cover more than anyone because I think yeah. the other four guys, you know, Fyinger runs the defence, Will Genia runs everything, Quake Cooper's yeah. the X factor, and yep. James Hall was the grunt. Yep. So I think the Reds are starting to move forward. Um, I think they'll account for the Highlanders, and I think they'll therefore make history. Make history. Well, I alluded to it, but it's obviously a bit different now with the, uh, the the closed stadium. They didn't play the Highlanders at home uh, last year, so we know for a fact that that stadium didn't open until very, very late 2011. So I, I'm not really, I'm not going to quite bet the house on it. I think it might be their first game here for the Reds. I think you might be right, actually. Uh, now, that being the case... That changes everything because every other game we've talked about prior, you know, BC game uh, has been at Carisbrook, which, as as we said with uh, Ed, it's um, not quite outdoor, Dunedin. So that could change yeah, things yeah. up a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, Highland, the Highlanders, it's amazing that they're zero and four. Yes, very much but so. They've, they've actually played some really good rugby. They've got some good, good players. They will. They, it will be a very tough game. And the, the the problem for the Reds could be that you know, they are zero and four and they're they're hurting, and so they're looking to bounce back. And the Reds yep. could run into a perfect storm. But yeah, you know, as yeah, said, I, I think, think, I think the Reds can get there. I think I read in the forum today. Some learned posters posted that uh, it's people talking about how you know it's pretty dangerous to come up against the Highlanders when they've lost four in a row. They're going to be pretty angry and pretty keen to prove otherwise, but uh, it's probably uh, more comforting than uh, coming up against them who, when they've won four in a row. So uh, it's a bit of an interesting way to look at it, but let's see. Yeah. We'll know. We'll know Friday night. be a good game. Yeah, I'm looking for... And we don't have to go to work beforehand, so we'll be able to have a bit of a barbie and, uh, you know, fish, of course, Good Friday and all that, but... Um, what time do you want me there? Uh, uh, we'll, 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 you know, we'll kick it off fairly early because we've got to lubricate the fish. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah so yeah, it'll be all good. Um, no. Yeah. What's but, next? Uh, yeah. Uh, next up... Um, Are we going chronological order here? Or? No, 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 no. That's not how I roll. Like, completely random. I'm going to go with the Brumbies versus the Bulls. Back, in ho- back at home for the Brumbies. That's chronological uh, order. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The list I'm looking at. That anyway. yeah, you might Thank have pulled you. me out. You may Let's have pulled out my, uh, my 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 system. I was trying to hide yeah. it, but uh, yeah, I've got my, my one jo- my one joke is not that funny anymore. So yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about the game. <laughs> yes, well, uh, so the Brumbies will be back in town, um, and they're playing the Bulls now. Interestingly, a lot of people talk about playing a South African team at home. You've got the advantage that they've had to travel and you haven't. But in this case, the Brumbies will have had to travel and the Bulls won't so much. Still uh, living out of hotels and the Brumbies will obviously be getting home and to their wives and families and loved ones and what have you. So it's going to be an interesting one. What do you reckon? Brumbies to bounce mm. back? That's what I'm calling. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm really torn on this one. Have we um, got any word about um, the the Mogtronome? Is that what... Um, yeah, no. The, the word is the word is he'll be back, right. and so will Nick White. Ah, oh, see, no problems at all. I, I, and I think that could be the deciding factor. Yep. Then again, you know the Bulls. The Bulls made nine changes to their team last week. Yep. And there's some talk that that was rotation, and maybe they stuffed up, and that this week they will throw their best side at the Brumbies. Right. Whether that means they took the Reds lightly. And we're saving players for the Brumbies. I'm not sure, but I but I, I think there will be a much better bull side that will go up against the Brumbies this week. Right. And the Brumbies travelling back on the back of a loss, it'll tell us a lot what happens. Yep. I, I think the Brumbies will get there, but it's going to be one. I think it's going to be one titanic struggle. This one. I'm really looking forward to this game. But yeah, I'll go the Brumbies. Go on the Brumbies too? Yep, in a very close one and, you know, by only a couple of points. Okay. Good. We're, we're, we're agreed then. Okay, next game in the randomator is uh, Cheetahs versus Rebels. 
That's in chronological uh, order. <laughs> no, there's still anyway. one to go, mate. You don't know what order it's going to come in. Um, <laughs> you've got uh, Cheetahs versus Rebels. Now, the Rebels um, are some things to get over before they're probably in the right headspace to play the Cheetahs team, who coming off a fairly, fairly successful tour. Um, four from four, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, I'd call fairly, that fairly successful. Fairly successful. I mean, we talk a lot about going to South Africa and winning two in a row. So for them to have come another four on the road, uh, it's going to be a tough ask. Are we up for another 60-odd, uh, not very much top score? Yes. Yes. I have no doubt about that. There's no Watching redeeming. The way, uh, the, I didn't see any redeeming features in the way the Rebels played on the weekend. <laughs> Apparently there was a fairly, um, a fairly robust discussion in the bus on the way back to the hotel. Um, so maybe that's uh, changed things up a bit, but we'll, we'll come to that. Yeah. Uh, they, the Rebels have got the best defensive coach Australia's ever produced. Yep. Margot? Yep, John Muggleton. Uh, and obviously he hasn't suddenly become a bad defensive coach. But it doesn't usually happen. It is, it is not working. That team defense, is not working. Now, I may be oversimplifying things here a little bit, but defence, it's a, it's a little bit about attitude. Is there problems? Is, is, is there anything else it's about? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter if you've got the best technique in the world. If yeah. you're not going to smash a bloke, and that's what defence is all about, then you're probably not going to smash a bloke. Yeah. No, no. And so you let in 10 tries. So there is... I can't imagine that John Muggleton or any of the other coaches can get their defence fixed. Forget their attack. They've got to, they let in 10 tries. How do you go from 10 tries to, let's say, two? Because basically, if you score four tries in a super game or a test match, you win. They're the stats. And they're over a long period of time. If you can hold a team to three, you're in a game. If you hold a team to two, you normally win. Yep. Can the Rebels go from letting in 10 tries to, let's say, three? Wow. I, I can't see it. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath. And and the Cheetahs, you know, they're they're playing a, a very good brand of rugby. They're full of attack. Yep. I reckon, it, yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath. Isn't it interesting though that the two last games we've talked about in chronological order are that the the Brumbies are flying back from South Africa to play the Bulls in Australia. And yep. the Cheetahs are flying back from Australia to play the Rebels in South Africa. Mate, it's a funny old competition. <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. It's uh, funny. It, it's interesting. When you compare this to, say, the Six, Six Nations, which is a good tournament, I really enjoy watching it, but, you know, the, the, the travel factor is a really big thing. Yeah, it's pretty tough. There's, yeah. a, there's a long way between drinks. Yeah, so that's the only hope the, che the Rebels have got is that the Cheetahs have been on the road for four games in a row and then they've got to fly all the way back home and front up again. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Not uh, tough yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to figure out a nice way to say that, but no, they're, they're pretty screwed. Um, 
unfortunately, I don't think that uh, the spanking they're going to re receive is going to uh, do enough to distract them from their real problems. So that that might be a good thing. But yeah. uh, we'll come to that. We've alluded to it a few times, and we'll come to it. Uh, Waratahs versus Western Force in the a local last... derby. I know. How good is it? So what are the the, the Force of just gotten back to their home in uh, WA and they've got to leave again. Uh, coming for another Sunday afternoon shindig at uh, SFS. Um, what do you see happening here? Tars by how many? Is that being rude <laughs> to the Force? or uh, Force oh. are, I don't know. The Force are a funny team. I reckon uh, you know if they've, if they've had their off game and they're after their on game, after an off game, they, they might be due for another on game and we could, we could see something here. And... The Waratahs, I think, are, as we talked about, on the verge of a turning point. So there's some fragility in their mindset there. If the Force come out and play similar to the way they did against the Reds, uh, I could see this going the other way. They're both funny teams. Mm -hmm. They're both teams that it's very hard to predict what will happen because yep. it's a matter of which team will turn up. It's like two Francis playing each other, isn't it? Good, good analogy. I like that. Yeah. If if this game was on a Saturday night or a Friday night, yep, I'd say it'll be really really close. But the Waratahs seem to love playing Sunday afternoon games. Or, yes, you know they they like the afternoon games. Full stop. Yep. Um, so I can see that the Waratahs will take a bit of the momentum they created last week, and that they will get over the force. If they don't, I think it'll be a huge letdown for the Waratahs. But but I expect them to get over them, and I think it's going to probably confirm that the Force have a long way to go. Yep. And I think it'll be positive for the Waratahs. You know, they, despite the fact that they have not played good rugby, uh, a little bit similar to what the Reds have done. They haven't played good rugby, and they're sitting, you know, within the top six on the table. The Waratahs aren't that far away, and they have played worse rugby than the Reds. So, you know, they're hanging in there. They're mm. hanging in there. But uh, I think this will probably confirm that the Force are down with the Rebels, and the Waratahs are still in the mix. So, yeah, I expect Waratahs win. But I um. I'll go with that. As I said, I think if the Force show up, they might be able to really show up. But, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's wait for Easter Sunday. I can see myself with a couple of eggs in my pocket, sitting down, enjoying that game on the, ga on the telly. It'll be a good one. Um, that's pretty much the last game that I have, speaking of uh, Australian games, and you've already stolen the bid that I had about um, Smithy. No, they haven't stolen it. Just, just oh, changed just the relocated order. Yes, that's yeah. right. It was not chronological enough for me, given I don't like chronological. But anyway, we've said that a lot. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, Curly versus Cooper. Well, what happened, mate? I don't know. Gonna, what are you, you talking gonna, about? You were going <laughs> to tell me. Word um, on the street. Is, no. Uh, it's not word, word on, on the street. No, we found it's it. Word on, it's word on green and gold rugby. I will bask in Cat's glory. Uh, she found it, and she posted it quick smart. Um, if you haven't read the pages or heard the news, I'm not sure where you've been, but a um, little bit of fisticuffs. 
sign of a healthy team environment, if you ask me. Yeah, and I, I've seen people make comments that you're on the training park and the things happen occasionally yep. where you, you, you'll be pissed off that someone took a shot at you when you're training and, you know, you might give them a bit back. This wasn't training. This was on a team bus. Curtly, sorry, let's start back. Curtly Beal went to South Africa, I presume on the basis that they hoped he might come good after his operation on his hand and be able to play the game. Yep. Um, what happened? Well, and I suppose I suppose it suppose it mightn't have been this week. They might have been saying if he couldn't play against the Sharks, he might be right for the Cheetahs game. So put him on the plane. Yep. So he's an injured player. What gets me is that after the game, they had obviously pre-planned that they would hop on a bus and they would go to a bar or a nightclub. I don't know what how you describe it, but as a team, they would go out. But no, look you. If you played a game where you either won or you competed but lost and then you went, you're overseas, young blokes, you're not going to say to them, oh, you're not allowed to do anything after a game. You know, that natural thing is you want to go out, have a drink, celebrate a little bit or go, oh, that was a shame we lost that game. So it's pre-planned and the bus, the team bus is taking them to a nightclub or a bar, which they did. And there's yep. no report of any incidents at the night or nightclub or bar? No. Nope. Good boy. Uh, to me, that's where it all went wrong. We'll come, come to what happened in a minute, but I would have reckoned when you've lost 64-7 to 7 and it was an embarrassing performance. Fuck a driver, but, back to the hotel. Well, I reckon the leaders in the team, forget the coaches, yep. but I reckon the leaders in the team would have been going, you know what, we've got it planned out that we're going to whatever nightclub, but what we just did was not good enough. So how about what we do? Let's all, we'll go back to the hotel. We'll have a quiet beer together. We'll have a bit of a reflection. Tomorrow morning we'll get up, and there might be a session plan, but how about what we do is get together and watch the game, and we sort this out because that wasn't good enough. Yep. Well, that's not what happened. They've, no. gone, they've gone ahead with the planning. They've gone out. There's no report there's been any incidents at the bar or anything like that. After allegedly, you know, a few hours, they've got back on the bus to go back to the hotel, and the reports are that Curtly seems to have had a drink, had his shirt off in the bus, and Gareth Delver said, "Mate, we're about to arrive at the hotel. Put your shirt back on so that we walk in as a team in our uniform." Yep. Curtly's objected. Now, I've seen various reports of whether Curtly physically dealt with Gareth Delve or pushed him or shoved him or whatever. Don't know about that. that Not one to, you know, we won't speculate on that. No, I don't know about that. But Cooper Werner apparently, and again, as per the reports, allegedly has stepped in and said, mate, you can't treat your captain that way. Whether you verbally abused him or physically pushed him or whatever, and Kirtley's had a swing, according to Cooper Werner. But the interesting thing... Straight from the horse's mouth, yep. Tried straight to leave, from the horse's mouth. Tried to leave right Put now, on. same for me. Tried to help someone, but got punched in. So instead of putting him in hospital, I'll leave. Yeah. So he, he he's told the world on Twitter what's happened. Yep. Apparently it's in the bus. If the Twitter from Cooper Vernon never happens, we probably don't know about it. Yep. But clearly he's pissed off. He's told the world about it. 
and as a result we do know about it. Um, apparently Cooper Vuna, again, allegedly, there's reports that he then said, well, Curtly, you've hit me, I'll hit you, and did a better job than Curtly did. Um, but I guess that doesn't really matter. The very fact that there's been a drama between a player and the captain who has enforced what you would think were pretty basic standards. We're going to walk into a hotel um, as a team and we all need to have our team shirts on. You'd reckon that's pretty basic. And for whatever reason, apparently, Curtly didn't think that was a good idea. Um, should So Curtly's in the wrong. There's no doubt about that. In the first place, if he's hit Cooper Vuna, he's in more of the wrong. Cooper Verner's then put it on Twitter. Is he in the wrong? Absolutely. You know, you don't tell the world about that. You know, what goes on tour stays on tour. Um, why did he tell the world about it? Why did he name the player? Yeah, that's, that suggests there's a problem, doesn't it? it? It very much does. Now, I'm not going to speculate too much, but I know that the, the, bit, the snippets that I've heard before from within the camp there are a few special players, and I think they act as if they are special players. So uh, we could be seeing the uh, the results of that. Yeah, what's interesting? Consequences. Michael Lippman, who was there last year and obviously in previous years, has come out and said that this is not the first time that Kirtley's hit a player and yep. a, a, a teammate. So I don't know whether he's that's an allegation or whether he's seen it, but he's made the comment to the press that this is yeah. the first time. So if you, if you start to look at, we've got confirmation that there was a problem with the bouncer in Brisbane last year. Yep. The Kirtley's still going through a mediation. You've got yep. Michael Lippman saying, this isn't the first time. You've got Cooper Vuna saying, Kirtley Beal hit me. Yep. There's a, there's a, there's a definite pattern here. No it's matter whether we say, yeah, it's not a good one. So... Where do you go from there? If if you've got a player who has, you know, barred up about the captain saying, put your shirt on, we're going to walk in the team together. Sure, you've got your shirt off in a bus, you're having a bit of fun, you've had a few drinks, no problem there. Yep. You know, boys will be boys. But the captain, quite if that's right, has quite rightly said, hey, you know, we're going to walk in the team dressed. Lids on, boys. Team. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if he's barred up about that and then... If he, if he has physically attacked his captain, well, that's a major, major issue, I reckon. Um, if Cooper Verna stepped in to say, don't do it, mate, and then he's, he's then been attacked himself, I, honestly, I can't see how the Rebels and the ARU cannot rip up Kirtley Bill's contract. Because if you don't, what else is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's a. Yeah, something's going to come from us. Something big. We'll, uh, we'll see. Hopefully it's not. Um, hopefully it's not. Uh, lip service and a bit of uh, you know. Public. Public shows of what they think the public want to see. Hopefully it's uh, a real change that happens because. I mean, you said it. Five, five, uh, five, five teams, teams, two weeks, two weeks are the worst of the conferences. There's, I, I believe, by the players. There's a couple of teams that they can probably get a few things, few things together, and they're not going to do it. It's just shenanigans the way they continue. 
six months here, Bob. It will be very interesting to see what they do. A star player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know people will make comparisons to what did Quay Cooper do last year, a star player, and he made, you know, he, he put some things on Twitter, he made some comments, which were wrong. Um, I agree with that. He, he copped a big fine. He didn't. He didn't hit his captain no, or hit no. a fellow player. No, no. It's, 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 it's a